This is Tom Vargelettis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast. Got another listener question episode for you today. I've got some messages from Jessie. She reached out to me via Instagram and she has, let's see, a two-part question, two different issues. She did mention she had some other things. Maybe we'll get her on a call later on to go over everything. The message I received reads, Hey Tom, Jesse here from LA, California. I've heard all your podcast episodes at least three times each. Thank you for dropping so much knowledge. I work full-time studying toward my real estate license, student of photography, and a full-time mom. So I'm moving really slow, but still making progress each day. I'm still working on my portfolio because I want to be my own boss soon. I've got so many questions for you, but I won't take all your time on them. Here are a few I hope you can answer for me. Jesse, thanks so much for reaching out. I'm really glad that you're enjoying the podcast, and I hope that my answers here will solve your problems. But let's go into the first question. Question one, I do plan on going the cheaper route to create my own site like you did. That was brought up in a previous podcast episode. Jesse continues. My question is, the web page you create for your clients containing photos, video, what have you, how do you go about adding that into an MLS listing? Or the photos even? I'm confused because currently what I do for my employer is I have the login credentials to post any kind of media info onto the listing. Do you have to ask your clients for login credentials? Jesse, this is a great question. So if you are just going to be uploading photos or maybe floor plans, if you're doing floor plans, uh, yeah, you, you would need the agent's MLS login information. Many MLSs, maybe even all MLSs, have an option to allow administrator credentials. In some cases, if someone wants to share an admin login or share the contact info for the admin for, let's say, an office or a brokerage, they would be able to access any of their agent's login information, go in, add photos, and etc. Otherwise, yeah, you'd have to log in as the agent and upload the photos for them. This is something that I do pretty routinely. There's a few agents that they're just too busy or, you know, technology is a little troublesome for them, let's say, and they really appreciate the extra help. But when it comes to the website, so, you know, I talk about this in a previous podcast episode. I also write about this a lot in the full-time real estate photographer book. When you're building out a website, what you're going to do is build out an MLS listing webpage. Depending on how you are hosting and managing your website, you might have an easier or a more difficult time creating individual or unique listing sites. Um, in my case, I have hired a software developer and we built out an application where we can just drag and drop photos into the photo gallery, copy and paste links for virtual tours and things. And then when you hit save or publish, whatever the button is, it creates that unique listing website. That listing website is what I share to listing agents, and it is also what we use to attach to their MLS listing. So here's the whole deal with putting websites on MLS listings. 
all MLS multiple listing systems. And if you're not totally familiar with what I'm talking about, I probably said MLS a dozen times by now. This is the multiple listing service. This is where the real estate agent is posting their photos and their listing details. And that's where it goes online. Every state has their own local MLS and perhaps depending on how large the state is or how populous, there might be multiple MLS uh, systems. And they tend to be pretty outdated and they all don't really talk to each other. So there is another system that's in place that's called the Internet Data Exchange or IDX, as it's most commonly referred to, that collates and disperses all of this listing data among other platforms. For example, if you've ever seen a real estate listing on Zillow or Realtor.com or Trulia, those for sale listings are not popping up because an agent is manually putting its listing into each of those websites one after another. They post their listing on MLS via IDX. All of those listings, the data, the photos, everything is getting distributed into these other listing websites. So why did I bring that up? You need to have an IDX compliant listing site in order to be able to allow your clients to actually post the website onto their listings. Now, before we get into what IDX compliant means, if you're interested in using an IDX compliant listing site, if you're already using WordPress, I have built out this application and I'm sharing this with anyone who's in the full-time real estate photographer course or who's in coaching with me. If you're interested in just licensing the app, you can reach out to me directly. We can talk a little bit more about the licensing. There is an annual fee, but it's not a lot of money. If you wanted to build out your own system, your own proprietary system from scratch, you can follow my instructions in the podcast and in the book. Uh, but you know, if, if you just wanted something you could plug in and just start using, you can reach out to me about that. So the app that I've created generates this IDX compliant listing website, and you could create something as well as long as you follow the IDX guidelines. You cannot have any branding information for the real estate companies. Some MLS boards will allow you to brand your photography business, in which case you really want to read through their fine print. Usually you can find it on their website or you could just call them say, hey, I'm a photographer in the area. I just wanted to check, you know, I'm going to be offering virtual tours and listings and things. Is, is it okay if I share my photography branding or anything like that to make sure I'm compliant? And, and they should be able to help get you up to speed, at least point you in the right direction. But in my case, I don't advertise my photography business at all or any business for that matter. It's just about the listing website and that's it. You also cannot have any third-party links. You can't have a link on an IDX compliant site that takes you anywhere else. In my case in MLS, I've been using YouTube to host a lot of my real estate videos since it's free hosting. And I've been embedding the YouTube videos in an iframe on the website. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. It's, it's just a website thing. I'm putting the video on the website, but because I'm using YouTube, it is bringing over the little YouTube icon on the top left corner, like your channel icon, sometimes your channel name. And if someone were to click on that, it would take them to YouTube. I haven't gotten flagged for that yet. Also, if you watch the video to the end and it stops, it'll bring up the uh, end screen with like a couple recommended videos that, are, that would also take you off of, of the site. And I haven't been flagged for either of those things. 
Uh, if you wanted to go to a paid route, which would look much more professional for video hosting, there are options out there. Uh, my favorite so far is uh, Vimeo. But as far as IDX compliance goes, free hosting on YouTube has been working fine for me, even though it has the third-party link. So I would tread carefully when it comes to embedding iframes that might have an external link. But generally on the listing site itself, you should not have anything like a lead gen form, a link to the listing website, a link to the listing agent's own website or their broker's website. And uh, generally, that's going to be it. You want your listing sites to be mobile friendly as well for accessibility and ease of use. But that's it. Like you build out the website, you make sure there's no branding or third party links on it whatsoever. And you can share that link, the unique listing website link that you generate when you create the website for this agent to them. And depending on their MLS, there might be a different process for doing it. But just about all of them have a way for you to attach a virtual tour or a listing website or both. Now, let's just bear in mind here when it comes to listing websites, I'm not buying URLs for each of these. If you've never bought a URL before, you can do it with GoDaddy or Google Domains or Namecheap. There's a bunch of different companies that will let you buy a URL. URL is the uh, www.mywebsite.com or .photography or .eu, whatever the website address may be. Uh, you can buy one and it's like 10 or 12 US dollars per year, something like that. If someone else has bought it, they can put it back up for sale for some of them, a hundred or a thousand or a million dollars a year. In this case, I'm using my photography website and I'm creating subdomains. So it's mywebsite.com slash 123 Main Street or 275 Thoroughfare, whatever the road name may be. So I can actually have an unlimited number of these. So just bear that in mind. You don't want to go buying new unique URLs for each of your listing websites unless you want to bake that fee into the photography pricing or whatever pricing you're offering for the listing website, you could potentially charge double or more for the listing website plus annual account fees if you wanted to, or you could buy it and send it over to them for a fee. Well, there's a lot of ways to um, monetize that side of the business. But in my case, I'm just generating the .com slash whatever for each of these listings. That's, of course, being done automatically with my application. I just type in the listing address. It creates the URLs for me. And I'm also at the same time creating a branded version of the listing website. And because this is a custom, totally proprietary solution, it's something that I had in mind when we designed it. When we hit publish on the listing website app, we get two URLs. One is IDX compliant. One is branded with the listing agent's portrait, their phone number, email, and a contact me button as well. So that's basically how we're doing the listing website. If we're even adding them for that particular photo shoot, when it comes to uploading photos to an agent's listing, we don't usually do it except for a few clients that they just want that done for every single listing for whatever reason. It's not an official service that we offer, but because I have some staff, I'm able to offer it for free. It doesn't take us a lot of time. So it's just a nice little add-on and it doesn't tie up my day. I don't have to like sift through all these files and wait for uploads to happen personally. Uh, you're welcome to do that if you'd like. I'd recommend if you're just flying solo right now, I'd recommend upcharging for that because that is your time. 
But adding something like a $10, $20 fee, yeah, for an extra 20 bucks, I'll upload everything for you. I'll set your listing up. That might be interesting for some of your clients. Jesse, I hope that answers question one. If not, feel free to ask a follow-up. But let's move on to question two. Jesse writes, could you describe a general step-by-step of your process from beginning to end of client cycle? So your client may schedule on your website using Calendly, pays the down payment slash percent of total. At what point do they receive and sign contracts? How do they receive and send back? Deliver photos, post to their listing, etc.? I think to understand the full cycle would help me figure out what would work best for me here. Okay, Jesse, let me unpack this. So so the full cycle goes a little like this. A photography client books online. They pay the booking fee. It's not a down payment or a deposit. It's a booking fee. And the reason why I call it a booking fee is because it's a fixed amount in order to even book an appointment with me. We apply that fixed amount to the final invoice. It's not actually a percent of the total. I've had some invoices that ended up being very, very high. The booking fee would have been, let's say, a percent or less. And then I've delivered invoices that were very, very low, and the booking fee actually covered the full photography invoice. However, once the booking fee is paid, the event is confirmed. In that instant, they are brought to a confirmation page, thanks to Calendly, And myself and that client who just booked the appointment get a confirmation email. 24 hours before the event, whatever day, whatever time they book in the calendar, they get a text message notification and they get another email with some little notes on getting the listing ready for photography. At the time of the event, myself, one of my photographers, shows up to the house and begins the photo shoot. Usually we start by introducing ourselves to whoever's there. If there's no one there, we just get started. And, you know, we go through our paces, whatever was ordered on the calendar event. With Calendly, you can add questions. You can add questions that are multiple choice, that are checkboxes. I use the checkbox questions to have little add-ons that people might want, say, They want to add video. They want to add floor plans. They want to add a twilight. They can just check those boxes so we know what we're doing once we show up. We get through the work. The photographer goes home at the end of the day. They're charging their batteries. They're checking the equipment, making sure it's all stowed away, nothing's broken, and they're uploading the files. The raw files are uploaded to our server. Our editor is then notified by the photographer in our little group chat. Hey, such and such files are uploaded. Here is the file path so you can find them. The editor locates the files, downloads them onto his machine because he's working remotely and begins the edit. When the edit is complete, he uploads the file not to the original raw file, but to a new file for the completed images. And then he sends a notification back into the group chat. Hey, this photo shoot is done. Then my admin gets that notification. He checks the photos, takes a look, makes sure everything is looking good. Then he downloads them onto his machine because he's working remote at a totally different location, uploads them to the listing website, sets that up for our clients. If our clients requested photos to be uploaded to their MLS, they then log in as the listing agent, upload photos, and then my admin puts together a package to send out to the listing agent via email, which is a link to all of their files. If it's photos and video and virtual tour, it's all going to be in one package. Uh, We use Google Drive for everything. 
and then he sends out the email. Once the email is sent out and the photos and everything are delivered, the admin or myself will go through and create our invoice. Uh, We tried using QuickBooks for a while. I kind of dabble with 17 hats every now and then as far as like invoicing goes, but I'm mostly just using PayPal or taking a check right now. We generate the PayPal invoice and send it out to the listing agent. And then they pay, hopefully right away, and hopefully are also very happy with the photography. Then they go on to sell the house and list the next one. So that entire sales cycle from appointment booking to photography delivered and invoice paid, that is in every possible stage of development at all times, every single day, just about. So we do have a really good system for staying on top of this. If you are a single photographer right now and you want to build a team eventually, I wouldn't worry too much about the software. I would focus just on the system, the system of communicating with your clients, making sure it's convenient and fast for them to book appointments, whether it's a phone call, a text, an email, or booking through an app online. I'd recommend taking appointments through all of them promoting whichever one's most convenient for you as like option number one, and then kind of going down the list in order of less and less convenient for you personally. But you want to make it easy for anyone to book an appointment with you. When they are booking, they are not signing a contract. So that is one way to go about your business. You could have all of your listing agents sign contracts. And you could have a contract that is made to work for the life of your professional relationship with this client. So they sign once and then they're covered for every photo shoot thereafter. Or you could have them sign for every single photo shoot. What I'm doing right now, and this is just a convenience thing for me because we got to remember something here. It's really easy to get wrapped up in the idea of a contract as this be-all, end-all panacea for any kind of dispute in the future. I mean, really what a contract is, it's supposed to be a legal document that just reaffirms everything that both parties or however many parties are involved have already agreed to. And it's almost like in most of our minds, setting the agreement in stone. Okay, I've signed this contract. Now this thing will happen. However, when it comes to contracts, you could use it as leverage in the event of a problem. But the reality is, is that very few of your clients are going to be a problem. Very few people, you're going to have to have an argument and say, well, by the terms of our contracts, you have to do this, you have to do that. If you're very clear about your pricing and what the listing agent or your client is going to receive and when, then they receive everything and they pay the fair price, whatever was agreed upon. You're not really going to be in a position where you have to have a contract to rely upon. Some people would like to have them just for peace of mind. But remember that when it comes to contract law or any law, everything is going to come down to enforceability. Do you have a contract that is first enforceable if you need to enforce it? And then how much is your photography invoice actually going to be? Because you have court filing fees that you will have to pay whether you win or lose. How much money is really on the line here? And how much is going to get soaked up by the legal system? 
And then again, there are attorney's fees. Are you going to go and represent yourself or are you going to hire an attorney? That could cost an absolute fortune. Now, if you're a commercial photographer and let's say you shot all the photos for the next big thing, like the next Apple live event, they used all your photos or Microsoft use your photos on their website or place the name of some big company here. And you have potentially in creative fees, hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. Yeah, you're going to pay the legal fees. You're going to fight that one out. But how much money are you charging for your real estate photo shoots? Are you charging 100 bucks, 150, 200, 300? When it comes to a contract, you're going to ask people to take an additional step, sign this document, send it back to me. Then I got to keep it on file. And then they're going to feel like, okay, I have to do this extra thing. Now I'm kind of on the hook when, you know, maybe they don't really know you all that well or Maybe they use other photographers and they're just uncomfortable with signing the deal. It adds a sense of uneasiness for people that are not 100% certain that you're the photographer for them and they're going to be happy and they're going to keep working with you. For established clients, clients that know, like, and already trust you, yeah, that might be a great idea. But if they're clients that know, like, and trust you, you're not going to have a problem with collecting money from them or following the terms of an agreement because they like you. (laughs) The contract is for when things go wrong. Do you want to have that kind of security? Yes. But again, at what cost? In my opinion, you'd probably turn more people away when saying, no, you got to sign this or else I can't work with you versus taking that limited, in my mind, it's a very limited amount of risk that you would have to face when it comes to having contracts signed or not. That said, with my Calendly booking app, and I mentioned the name Calendly, anybody can go to this website, calendly.com. This is not a paid promotion. I would love it if Calendly would sponsor the podcast uh, because I use them every single day. But I really like their product. I think it's great. Go use it if you want to do bookings online, especially for this. At the confirmation page, when you actually go to put in your payment information, then click schedule event, there are terms and conditions that are disclosed before they pay. And then some of my terms are by paying this invoice, and scheduling this appointment, you agree to our terms and conditions. Here's the link to the terms and conditions page, which it spells out all of the terms when it comes to their booking fee, specifically late reschedules, late cancellations. You could throw something in there. And then if you ever get into a TIFF with one of your clients, you could say, look, you booked the appointment, you accepted the terms and conditions, you paid a booking fee. I need you to stand behind this. And you could probably make a very strong argument based on that alone if you ever had to sit in front of a magistrate or a moderator. And I'm going to guess, though, unless you've got a lot of money on the line, you're probably going to be hesitant to want to even go there. You know, should you use a contract? Probably. You you really want to talk to an attorney who's practicing contract law in your state when it comes to that because states can even be different on this. You know, the state level case law could vary wildly across the country, whatever country you might be in. So I would just double check this with a attorney. The attorney is always going to tell you that you probably should get a contract, but that's also because they're going to charge you like $250 an hour to write it. I would call and ask for advice and then probably talk to a few different people and, and try and make the best educated decision that you can. 
if you're interested in having contracts actually written up or having terms and conditions written up, I do have a legal writer that I could have draft you some of these agreements. Anybody could reach out to me if you want to. It's like a couple hundred bucks per contract. They're pretty airtight. And then you could have a local attorney give a stamp of approval on it. Personally, I use this legal writer for all of my real estate deals. You look super squared away when you have custom contracts for every single deal. People are just blown away because there's so many boilerplate, plug and play, just, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Those simple PDF contracts with just like a long blank line where you write in the name and the address and, you know, it just doesn't look as professional. But if you're interested, you could always reach out and ask a question about that. That was contracts. Photo delivery, like I mentioned before links on a Google Drive. And that's just how we do it. 99% of my clients have almost no issue at all. There's some people that will kind of chime in with a question or two, and then one in a hundred will just not be able to work with Google Drive, in which case I'd accommodate for them because it's not too inconvenient for me if it's only a very small amount of people. Uploading the photos into a Google Drive folder, everything's labeled properly and just sharing it to them via their email. You can get a shareable link or within Google Drive, you can modify the sharing settings. You can actually, within Google Drive, not by copying a link, but by sharing it to their email account within Google Drive, uh, what it will do, if they also use Google Drive, it will show up on their shared with me folder on Google Drive. If you're not familiar, you log into Google Drive. On the left side, from the top, a big plus sign, so you can add a new folder, a new Google Sheet, a new Google Doc. And then as you go down the menu there, one of the options are, let's say, Drive and then Shared With Me. It'll just pop up there automatically. If they don't use Google Drive, they will also get an email with a link that says click here to access your folders. And it's super easy to download from there. If you find that you have some clients that have issues with that, what I have done, I've made little two-minute videos to just show you this is how you click download to get your photos. And I hyperlink that in the text of my initial email. So anyone who actually reads through the instructions will know, oh, okay, I just watched this two-minute video and now I'll know how to do it if they have a question about it. But most people usually get it. It's not a big deal. And then the tail end of your question. Yeah, we already talked about posting photos to the listings. You're going to find a lot of mixed responses on this one. Sometimes you've got listing agents that'll just be like, oh yeah, here's my info. Go ahead, go log right in. And then you'll find people that are like, oh no, I'm not sharing that information with anybody, but they still are going to somehow want your help. Uh, just remember that you're not going to be able to make everybody 100% happy when it comes to file delivery you're going to interact with people that have varying levels of experience and expertise with technology. And some of them are totally inept. Some of them only know a few things. And some of them are just experts and they're never going to complain or have a problem. The key that you want to bear in mind when you are delivering photos and working with your clients is that you just want to make it as easy for them as possible. And as a last resort, you'll want to upload photos for them or go ahead and do those extra steps for them for free. I'd recommend charging for it. You're going to find that if you offer something for free, people are going to take advantage of you. But if, like I do it on a case-by-case -case basis, you don't really tell people that you'll do it. But when you find someone who has a problem with technology, you can offer it. 
they really appreciate it. If you're going to advertise that you'll upload their listing photos for them, I would put a price tag on it just so you don't have agents asking you to do it because they just don't feel like it. And it's going to take up all this time that you could be using to prospect for new business. I'd charge whatever makes sense for you. Five bucks, 20, 100, (laughs) whatever you want that makes sense for you and for your time on the project. And so that's the full cycle from appointment booking to file delivery. But let's not forget the most important step in this cycle, getting someone to book the appointment in the first place. I talk about getting clients in other episodes, and I also write about this in the full-time real estate photographer book. The abridged version is you want to have your portfolio and you want it to be great. You want to be able and ready to present your portfolio in many different ways. So you're not going to be limited by, let's say, you only have it set up on a PowerPoint, but there's no way for you to plug into the TV or they don't have a TV or a projector. Or let's say you're using all Apple products and then you show up in the office and they only have PC. So you want to have your portfolio. You want to have a presentation. You want to stand in front of as many real estate agents as you possibly can get at a time, usually a monthly sales meeting, present your work, talk about your prices, ask for the appointment, get some bookings. If you haven't yet, go ahead and listen to the previous episode where I got to jump on a call with another full-time real estate photographer podcast listener, Logan. And he talked about, he did two office presentations and he booked appointments at and after each one. And now he has regular recurring photography work. So (laughs) the cycle from booking to photography delivery and invoice being paid, uh, that's really important. But the first thing you want to focus on is building up your portfolio, getting out there, getting some new clients, and then building up these systems as you get there. You don't necessarily want to go out and pay I don't know, Calendly is, is what, $100 per year per user, some, something like that. All these WordPress sites that I'm using, you know, the hosting, is, it's, it's cheap, but paying a software developer to build out a special app for you, that, that costs a little bit of money. You want to have a volume of transactions in place first, and you want to have a fairly decent number of clients. You want to have a pretty big pipeline before you really start to go out and spend money on these projects, because at the end of the day, Your business isn't happening without clients, people that want to book photo shoots with you and pay you. (laughs) That's, That's the most important step of all. And that's the episode. Jesse, thank you again for asking these questions. I think she's going to be surprised because I actually haven't responded in the usual manner with my answers and then record an episode afterwards. I'm recording this episode as my answer and I'll just send over the link. Jesse, I hope you appreciate it. And like I said, if I didn't fully answer your questions or you have more like you led on to earlier in your message, please go ahead and ask them. Or maybe we could even jump on a call just like we did with Logan a little while ago. Thank you so much for reaching out. I hope to talk to you again soon. And for everybody else, If you'd also like to send in a question, you can contact me at Instagram. You can find me at Tom Vargeletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S. I've probably got that in the description as well. You could also email me. My email is tom at ftrephoto.com. 
Always happy to hear some more feedback on the podcast, to share some more information and answer your questions. And if anyone is interested in, like I mentioned, licensing my WordPress plugin, in talking some more about coaching, you can reach out to me as well. I am always happy to help when I can. And that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one.